Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the No Bullshit Anxiety Talk Show. Today I am speaking with Sean Carballo about his journey through anxiety, panic and depression. Personally, I love this chat. There were so many similarities we had with the anxiety we experienced, probably more than anyone I've ever spoken to before, and it it actually freaked me out a little at times. Sean was really open and honest with lots of great tips to share, so I've no doubt you'll get an awful lot from this chat. I do apologize for my mess up towards the end, The storage on my computer was full, so I was freaking out thinking I might lose the recording while trying to delete stuff. And let's just say I'm not a great multitasker. I hope you enjoy. And as always, thank you for subscribing and your reviews. And if there's someone in your life you believe would benefit from this, please don't hesitate to share it with them. Enjoy. You you got panic attacks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know what they were actually. Um, oh, yeah, <laughs> me too, man. I, it took me five years to figure out what the bloody things were. Yeah, yeah. Ironically, it took me about exactly the same amount of time. So, really? Yeah. Interestingly. Yep. So, kind of like talk me through that. What happened for you starting out? Um, so I had, so I used to have an internet company and that was doing quite well, actually. Like we were number one on Google for our search term. It was a certain type of sporting good oh, yeah. and started to get really just not aligned anymore with like the product. It was a, a paintball gun oh, yeah. that the people were using for war games. So they were actually like replicas of real guns and whatnot. And you know, when I first uh, started selling this product, I was just selling it because it had good margins. They were fun. But then when I started to realize that like it was a really dangerous um, product, like people were, you know, accidentally shooting each other in the face with them and people were using for, for like simulated war games. I really started to become like very kind of detached from the whole um, uh, trajectory of it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I started to kind of let the business sort of die a slow death. And then finally, you know, I, uh, I, I sold it. I sold it off. And, um, and at that point I was very disillusioned. I'm like, I don't know what the hell I want to do with my life. Um, so I decided to get a job in higher ed and the whole point of getting a job at higher ed is that like, I I knew it wasn't like hyper stress. Uh, it was kind of, um, it wasn't, um, like a, like a startup environment. It was pretty much, um, you know, nine to five or whatever. Yeah. And you're in LA there, right? Yep. Exactly. Okay. LA. So I figured if I had a job in higher ed, at least I could not be completely um, stressed out and I could figure out, you know, what, what my next move would be. Mm. Um, but then shortly after I got that job, I started getting like major anxiety, like major, major anxiety. And I, and I, I didn't really know what it was all about. Like I had no clue. So, okay. Um, so how did that kind of creep up on you? What was the job in higher ed? I was the director of online education okay. for like a university. Oh yeah, yeah. And then high pressure. You know, it started off as not that high pressure. Um, they basically what they wanted me to do was they wanted me to build this department, like to uh, create the the online education department. This was like many years ago. So I figured, okay, yeah, it's a kind of a big task, but um, you know, I I've, I've started my own startup before. I think I can handle it. So it started off like not so high pressure and then the pressure started to kind of mount. Mm. And then the anxiety bubbled up with the pressure. You know, actually, no, um, it, it started off straight away. It was started off within the first few weeks of having the job. Oh. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, and what do you think brought it on then? I think because the environment was so new, I think because maybe I wasn't even aligned with the job to begin with. I think I was trying to live up to other people's ideals um, rather than trying to kind of find my own path. I think I was trying to please my mom. I think it was just a, like really, it was a major misalignment with what like I wanted to do specifically with my life and what um, the expectations were that I was trying to live up to. Mm-hmm. So it was a major misalignment with myself. So I was like having, you know, struggling through an internal battle essentially. And when I went to therapy, um, 
a few years later, as a result of this whole situation, um, my therapist basically told me that I had reached a boiling point. Like the, all of my, all of this stuff, um, I was stuffing all of this, this stuff that we, I guess I can talk about later. I was stuffing down inside me and it was finally reaching a boiling point. Mm. And, um, and this stuff was presenting itself in, in kind of just a, a, a misalignment in my life, a misalignment with what I wanted to do as a person and with trying to live up to uh, other people's expectations. Yeah. Well, I, and I, I think like, fuck, I think, um, I mean, that's kind of like probably for 70, 70 percent of people, that's that's what's going on. Uh, trying to meet other people's expectations, try to please others, try to do right by others. So you can make them proud or whatever it might be, but just kind of put you out of whack. And then and, and like particularly with 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 guys, it's that stuffing it down. Just fucking I should be strong enough. I should be able to I should be able to take it. No way I'm gonna get through it. And then just like it just breaks you. It's just it's just a slow beat down and it and uh finally kind of explodes yeah and i didn't want to take this job you know when i look back on it now i really didn't want to take this job but i felt felt that i needed to i felt that i needed to have a good position i had bills to pay all of that i needed to kind of like be proud and look look uh good in front of my mom in front of my family so yeah. and was that a big deal were you coming were you coming under a lot of pressure from your mom and your family? Yeah, I think it was kind of like a pressure that uh, was put upon uh, us kids, like ever, I, I come from an Asian family. So there is just that, that expectation that you have to succeed, that you have to get into a field that's safe, yeah. you have to be successful. There's just like this expectation from, from the start. And it's, it's years of that, you know, it's years of that kind of conditioning from when you're a kid. And we, we came from a, the type of background where you were never really that praised for what you achieved. You were only punished for what you didn't. Yeah, so you only, so, when you did good s stuff, you might not have heard about it. Yeah, exactly. When, when you fucked up along the way, <laughs> then you hear everything about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's, that's a really major uh, incentive to get your shit straight, right? Yeah. So, yeah, and so it was always operating on fear, like fuck, I gotta do good, I gotta, you know, this, I gotta do that. So, and um, so how you said, like, you grew up in LA. You said you're from an Asian family, right? But did you did you grow up in LA from like from a baby? Age seven, yeah. yeah. So, so age seven. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, yeah. I think that was also an, an additional pressure as well because like we come we come from the Philippines and it was like really poor economic conditions. So once we got here, there was that additional pressure to to do well and to, to succeed. To chase the American dreams, you've got this opportunity now that most Filipinos don't don't blow at that kind of aspect. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, wow. Talk me up to when you got to you decided to go to therapy. Were you because you were you having panic attacks then? Yeah, actually, no, my panic attacks started years earlier. Um, so when I first got the job, I started to have the, the panic attacks. Yeah. And I started to get like shortness of breath and like a tightness right over my heart. Yeah. It's awful. Um, I, <laughs> yeah, it was like this squeezing like sensation. Oh, man. It is the worst feeling in the world. It's the worst. I used to just walk around holding my left arm and my arm just thinking my lungs are about to collapse. Yeah, I, I thought like I was gonna um, suffocate. Yeah, I that I like, like I couldn't I couldn't breathe. You know, all sorts of crazy shit. So um, that that landed you in this. That will change your life. If anything, that will change your life. Yeah, yeah. The, the funny thing was, I did all sorts of crazy shit to like try and manage it because I didn't know what it was. Yeah. So. I, I was blaming it on the, the smog in L.A. because I had moved to downtown Los Angeles and I lived, was living right next to a freeway. Oh, so yeah. I thought smog was like suffocating me. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> so 
So what I did was I got like, I sealed off all of the vents in my, in my room, in my apartment. I bought plants. Like my, my apartment looked like a freaking, um, like a greenhouse, you know, yeah. like, like a terrarium. Is that what they're called? Terrariums. <laughs> like there's, there was plants like all over my house because I was trying to generate like my own, like clean oxygen. Yeah. I researched all this shit, like where I could create like a little micro environment in my apartment and stuff. Oh, and I bought all <laughs> that, that's one of the best stories I've heard of the, the, the kind of reasoning that comes up but it's funny right because I mean I know for me I didn't have a, I didn't know what the fuck was going on and I, I I was like I got really bad headaches right like and the, the chest pain and the heart attacks were that was kind of secondary but it was like predominantly I was just in such a state of anxiety the whole time that I, just, I had a constant headache so I was like I was convinced I had a brain tumor and then I like I was going to see all these specialists because I was just freaking out going like I am definitely going to die soon like you know this is serious shit and like if we don't get this tumor we don't get it out or we don't get it operated on I'm fucked and like so I was running around seeing all these specialists and everyone was just like all I'd hear is go like I remember like one lad just said I'll just give up smoking and he was I was smoking cigarettes back then he was just like just give up smoking and he, like like just so blase about it like not a big deal just give up smoking the headache will go away so I give up smoking the headache doesn't go away nothing nothing gives and I'm just getting more and more fr frustrated I don't have an answer man I'm like and now I'm falling into like depression and everything and I I still don't have an answer and you're just like you're on the internet, you're reading books, you're like so curious, you're just like trying to find something, anything to grasp that can give you that little bit of hope. And I guess if you can turn your apartment into the Amazon rainforest and get pure oxygen, then fuck it, why not? Give it a go. Yeah, it was crazy. I just didn't know. Like, in fact, when I had my first like major, major panic attack and I, I ended up going to the emergency room, um, because I thought I, I was going to pass out. Like I thought I couldn't breathe. I was going to pass out. And, um, I wanted to, I wanted to, I was, it was at work when it happened. So I actually locked myself in the bathroom at work <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't want my coworkers to see. Yeah, I didn't want my sure. coworkers to freaking crazy, you know? So I, I go to the bathroom, I lock the stall. I'm like, Oh shit, what's happening? Like, I'm going to pass out. Like, I think I'm going to, I can't breathe. I'm going to pass out. And I like, I thought about calling an ambulance, but I thought that if, if an ambulance comes in, that means everyone's going to be up and up in there. Like my coworkers gonna be like, what's going on? You know, there's going to be people running around and that, that was just going to put me over the edge, like completely over the edge. So I like kind of secretly call my brother. I'm like, dude, Hey, I, I can't breathe. Like, can you pick me up at work and take me to the emergency room? So he shows up and I kind of sneak out of work and we go to the, the emergency room and they start testing me, test my lung capacity, all that. I have 100% lung capacity. They're like, dude, there's nothing wrong with you. You're, um, you're just having anxiety. And I, I, got, I got pissed. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, fuck. <laughs> but like, that, that kind of pisses me off in itself. It's like, dude, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just having anxiety. This is a serious fucking condition. There's something wrong with me, right? Anything that makes you run into the bathroom, terrified for your life, call for help, and then sneak out is like, there's a problem there. Yeah, they were acting like, oh God, like, you know, you, you're coming here with this bullshit. Like, that's kind of how they, they treated me, you know? Like, yeah. you come here with shit, you're just having anxiety. Like, you know, like they treated me as if I was, like I was just fucking around or something, you know, yeah. like I was like I was wasting their time, basically. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, on my first, the first time I had like a, a, a like proper series, I would say it was that one defining moment that everybody got away shit afterwards, that that first panic attack. I ended up in a bathroom, too. I was just like when you were telling that story, I was here going like, I wonder how many people ha end up in a bathroom for the first time they have a, a panic attack and hide yeah do a hashtag my first panic attack and share share where you had your first panic attack see how many people actually made it to the bathroom because you got to get out of there man i mean like that's that was i was it's fight or flight and it's time to flee yeah yeah exactly so so did you get any relief when they, you got told immediately that you're, ju you're just having anxiety 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I didn't really believe them. Um, I'm like, nah, it's gotta be the smog. So I didn't believe them. Um, so yeah, I started do. I, I turned my apartment into the, the, the Amazon rainforest, as you said, <laughs> and, um, and I started meditating a lot. So, and I think the, the reason why I started meditating was because it was kind of just a habit that I had already been kind of working on throughout the years and stuff. Yeah. And, um, and I think it's just something when I'm having a lot of kind of pressure in my life, I just start to meditate. I didn't think that it was like specifically to cure whatever was going on with me. I just figured like I'm having trouble in my life overall. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I kind of just turned to meditation as just a kind of overall wellness practice. But whenever I would feel the anxiety like really mounting up, um, I, 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 one day I took my car and drove to the beach because I needed to escape. And I thought like it was the air that was, Oh, yeah. So I figured, okay, well, I'll go to the beach. The air is like really fresh there. And that actually like relieved my anxiety. So I started to drive to the beach whenever oh. I would feel like major um, anxiety or like, or, or like a panic attack coming on. And I would, I would, yeah. oh, so, so, so the beach was your safe place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was the first place where I actually went where I felt real relief. Like, um, you know, everything else was kind of just like hang, trying to hang on to like a, you know, a roller coaster ride and just kind of ride it out. Yeah. But driving to the beach and like sitting at the ocean was actually the first like real relief that I felt. Wow. Yeah, it's funny. It's, it's, it's finding, it's finding that, that, that thing that gives you presence. I remember like the only time it was, I get that if I was snowboarding or wakeboarding um but if i was if i was running i would be like i just i'd be stopping like holding my chest like just on it was just it got too uncomfortable and i think that oh i'm running too far now or, or my, my heart my heart rate has gone up too high um and i kind of like have to stop so it actually often would induce a, a panic attack within me um and uh there, there was a Another example, what was I going to say? I don't know, anyway, but uh, it's funny. Oh, yes, driving. Driving was another thing for me. I was terrible. Like, when I was driving, I'd have to, like, I would just be on edge all the time. If I was driving from, like, I was li living in Dublin. My parents live in Limerick, so it's, like, a straight shoot down the motorway, uh, about a two-hour drive, and I'd, like, I'd nearly, without fail, have to pull over, uh, sweat, like just to compose myself every every time um, and roundabouts for some reason freaked me out if they went over a bridge I'd have a fucking panic attack like it was just so weird so then like how did you get a get a, a better grasp of it like how, how did what kind of things change for you moving on past that um so I think I started to kind of just like get overall balance in, in my life. Like I found community, like where I worked, like, honestly, I still didn't know what, what the panic attacks were. I, had, I still had no clue. I thought that it was just the air. And I thought like the things that I was doing, like going to the beach and having my little, um, all of my plants and stuff, I thought that was actually working. Um, I didn't know, uh, I still at that point didn't know what panic attacks were, but, um, go ahead. No, is that because the, the the doctor just used the term you just got anxiety, so you had no idea? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. They didn't tell me they didn't tell me I had I was having panic attacks, so they didn't they didn't use that word at all. Yeah. Um, so and I didn't and uh, furthermore I just didn't believe them. Like I'm like that's bullshit. What is that anxiety? You know I just I simply didn't believe them. I didn't know enough about that at all. Yeah. So I thought it was just it had to be the smog. You know it had to be the fact that I I just was breathing in shit air. Um. So I thought I had to manage on it. I, I thought, it, uh, you know, now that I kind of secured my apartment, I had to manage on it. And then um, just by circumstance, like things started to kind of balance out in my life. Like I found community where I worked. I started to work out regularly. I was also meditating. I eventually, you know, got a girlfriend. I eventually moved away from the freeway to like a much more peaceful environment. So I, I, I sort of started to get like a manage on my life, like overall, mm -hmm. but but after a few years, I started to have this um, discontent that I talked about with my job, like started to really mount up. So this discord that I had 
between um, like what I wanted to do and what I was trying to live up to, the image that I was trying to live up to, started to reach like a really big discord. And I think the reason why I was able to put it off even longer was because I was d distracting myself with other things. I was, I had hobbies, I had my my girlfriend, I had you know things that I was doing outside of work that was distracting me from work. But it was kind of like putting, um, like kind of ignoring an underlying problem that I was not living the life that I wanted to live. Mm -hmm. And so that started to really like mount up um, heavily, and then that started to turn into like a lot of depression and. Um, and major stress, and um, finally to the point where I thought I was gonna, I was gonna lose it. Like I thought I was gonna completely snap. Um, but okay. that was, that was six years later. So it was, I, I was actually able to hold it off for that long. From the point that I started to have panic attacks to the point where I started to have like a major breakdown was actually six years. Yeah. So well, yeah. They, I, they say that. Um... On average, I, I don't know, I, I would imagine it's quite similar for anxiety, but they say on average it takes someone 10 years before they reach out to get proper help, which is terrifying. Because yeah. that like, you know, how many people are walking around going, I wasted a decade of my life. And then of course you have the challenge that comes with the work. Like, you know, it's not the easiest thing in the world. It, you can get pretty profound results quite quickly, but it's still a challenge and it's a much greater challenge after 10 years of further pushing your shit down. Um, it's insane. And I know I blew it, I blew a decade for sure. But, you know, it's, it's just like, it's one of those things that you go, how the fuck can you get that message across? Like this, this beast is not to be messed with. Like, but yeah, that's a crazy thing about it. It's like it just kind of one of those things that kind of grows quietly underneath, you know, mm. and it's very easy to kind of cover up and distract yourself. So. You had healthy distractions, it seems. Yeah, thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't always had healthy distractions, but at that point in my life, I had, I had more or less healthy distractions. Yeah, yeah good for you. Uh, prior to that, I had unhealthy distractions. <laughs> 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 and was your anxiety going on prior to that with, with the unhealthy distractions I, depression was like depression had been my issue for the majority of my life like okay. ever, ever since I can remember basically yeah. um, so I'd always struggled with, with kind of like low level chronic depression sometimes pretty like sometimes higher level than than others, but generally like a low level depression that would get bad sometimes. Yeah. Um, but anxiety had I'd never had that problem with anxiety until until I got that job. That was the first time in my life where I actually had anxiety. So that was new to me. Okay. Also, the whole crew kind of showed up. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> through yeah. through a curveball. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Prior to that, I was just kind of dealing with my um like when I had my unhealthy distractions like drinking a lot and all that hmm. like um i was just kind of dealing with my own feelings of like worthlessness and, and depression and all of that shit you know that's what i was kind of trying to to mask yeah so you were putting up a mask for that yeah and you were seeking validation elsewhere to try and kind of figure that out exactly yeah big time validation seeking trying to overcompensate for where I, for the things that I was ashamed about myself, you know, yeah. the feeling of business, all that shit. Yeah. You kind of like, it's, it's funny because you like, you know, when you talk about it, like, and you're just having a, a casual conversation and we've never really spoken before. You're just here going like, fuck, how do we, how do we get to it? You know, how do, how, how are we able to let it get to this? You know, because in the grand scheme of things, what well, we're here for like, you know, just to kind of quick as a flash and then it's over and the objective is to have fun but we just as a species feels like we just keep shooting ourselves in the foot yeah yeah it's wild it's wild that it takes so long to just gain self-awareness like to even figure out that there's a problem to begin with you know? yeah and then of course the patience to actually do the work because we want that we want the time machine we want the instant results um 
So when did you find out what, what you were having panic attacks? Uh, I think when I finally started to figure it out was when I, I, I almost had a breakdown basically. So what happened was, um, I started to become really, really stressed and depressed about my, my job. And well, I thought it was my job. It was much more than that actually, but my whole life circumstance, mm-hmm. like I was, I didn't want to be at my job anymore. I kind of felt that my relationship with my girlfriend at the time um, there wasn't like a, a lack of connection. I, we had made all of these plans of buying a house, getting married. And I'm like, this is not my path. Essentially, if I had to summarize like my own desires and, and kind of, and kind of like my own wishes as a unique human being that I had ignored for so long and pushed down, were starting to really kind of surface. Mm. And I, the discord was too much. Like I didn't want to behave and live the expectations anymore. And all of the way that I had built my life up, up until that point was to live up to those expectations and to live the ideal. So including the girlfriend, the planning for buying a house and the life that we wanted to live, having kids, all of that. Then I realized I don't want to do any of this shit. And I, and I was so afraid because I thought it was too late. Like, how do you tell somebody all of those plans that we made the past four years of buying the house and all of the work that I put in, 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 in my career, how, how do you say, I don't want to do any of that shit anymore? Mm. Um, Not easy. Like I, yeah. I thought it was too late. I'm like, you're, you know, I was already in my, I was, I was in my thirties at the time already. I'm like, it's too late. You know, I, I thought I kind of had to just accept the fact that it's too late. I got to go. I I'd made that investment and everything. I just kind of have to go with it. But it, it got to a point where I thought it was going to go crazy. Like I thought it was literally going, my, something was going to snap in my brain and I was going to go completely batshit. Yeah. And, and at that point I, I just told, told my um, ex-girlfriend, I'm like, I have to quit. Like I got to quit my job because I, I can't take it anymore. And um, when I told her that she's like, you know what? I, I think that you and I are, are going two different paths because she was, um, she was a professional. She had her career. She's like, I think you and I got to have to go separate ways. So at that point, um, it was kind of a relief. Yeah. I'm like, well, okay, well, that part's taken care of. Now I don't have anybody like expecting me to, to yeah. live up to that anymore. Um, so I, so that's gone. Um, I'm quitting my job. Um, you know, I'm going to drop everything. And then that's when I decided to start going to therapy because yeah. I'm like, for some reason, I don't want to do my life anymore. And, you know, like what's going on? Yeah, good for you, man. That, that that's a that's a tough decision to to reach. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and and basically the decision came because I just felt like I didn't have a choice. It's, it's like either I go crazy mm. or I'm, I or I let go of everything. Yeah, you did know? you did you literally feel like you just had something like a wire within your brain that was just like on the verge of of snapping? And that you were yeah. going to go like literally batshit crazy. There was yeah, literally fuck man, I had that too. I thought like <laughs> so many times I was just on the verge of going to a mental home. Like it was yeah. just one more click and I was fucked. I was gone forever. Exactly. Like, yeah. oh it's terrifying, man. I'm nearly tearing my eye thinking about that. It was so brutal shit. Yeah. It's funny. Great. I mean yeah. it's not funny, but it's just funny kind of talking to you how how much I can relate. Um, and did it take you a long t- time to reach that decision? You know, I know in essence it was forced upon you and that's great. You know, like often reaching rock bottom is one of the best things that can happen because unfortunately that's, we don't really develop the self-awareness of, or, or kind of like find the strength within us to make those decisions that before then. So like you said, in essence, it was, you know, a lot of my decisions were made for me as well. And I was just kind of like clinging on. Um, was that a long process for you? Yeah, it was years, years. Yeah. It wasn't an easy, like, it wasn't an easy thing to do. Uh, just the whole situation with my girlfriend. Um, I think it started to go downhill after a year with my, with my girlfriend. That was just one piece of it. Mm-hmm. And, but I, I hung on for three more years. And um, yeah, it was the same thing with the job. Like I was dissatisfied from the beginning. You know, I, I didn't think it was something I wanted to do even to begin with, but I hung on for six years. 
So yeah, it was many, many, many years. Okay, and then, and then, so then you, you went to therapy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. At that point, I I knew that I was going through some really heavy shit, and I couldn't make any sense of it. So um, I decided to go to therapy. All right. Cool. And and how did that how did that help? It helped in becoming aware of what was going on with in me because up until that point I kept blaming it on the job. I kept saying, "Oh my, it's my job. Like I'm not, I'm dissatisfied with my job, you know." But I, I, there was something. There was like an inkling inside my brain. I'm like, "That's not the whole story." I'm I'm blaming it on that because it's something that I can understand and other people can understand when I say it. When people say I'm dissatisfied with my job, we can all relate. But I knew that wasn't the whole story, and I I think that going through therapy started to unravel the whole story and started to really like pinpoint what was going on inside of me that resulted in the unhappy job, that resulted in all of this internal turmoil that I've been having for the past several years. Um, and it also made me aware of like what anxiety was, what panic attacks were, what a breakdown was, what I was going through at that point, like why I wanted to drop everything and leave. Um, in fact, the way that one therapist coined, I, I ended up going to many therapists. I think I ended up going to like four in total over the years. Um, one, one therapist told me that if I hadn't had left, if, so basically I was avoiding a breakdown. Um, and when people have breakdowns, the reason why they put people into institutions is to pull them away from all of the life stressors. So you pull them away from all the life stressors, you put them in an institution for one or two weeks, and then, uh, and then, and that kind of like resets them on, mm-hmm. on some of um, he said that what I had done is I had kind of just done that to myself. I had basically left the country, put myself in isolation. <laughs> um, you know, in a peaceful so you're country. gone. You've left the country now. Left. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I left. I went to Bali on like a six-month holiday, um, and uh, and I started and I started surfing. I started surfing like every day, and so basically I put myself in like my own sort of institution, but. Yeah. Version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. And and then it became a process of of working. Like, so how much be- how much better did you feel? Like, did di- did you have kind of a rapid turnaround, or because I'm all everybody's different. Everybody is like, you know, everybody's different stories. And I think one of the like, I think one of the things that's hard to communicate and, and hard to grasp is like. You know, we all assume, you know, like, I know what you're going through. I've been, you know, and but the reality is we don't know what, we don't know the context. We know, like, we, we have some empathy, but we don't fully understand what's going on. And it can be vastly different um, because there's a whole life in there of, of things that, like, little tweaks that went wrong, that added to this belief that had this outcome, whatnot. Um so what was the kind of like the, the transition for you to feeling good about yourself again? Yeah, so um, honestly, the, the, the first day that I finally stopped my job was, was pure bliss. It was like I had let go of this gigantic weight um, that had been carrying around for so long because it was the first time I was just doing something for me. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting on the beach that day. I went straight to the beach. Um, I was sitting on the beach that day. I'm like, holy shit, like, I don't have to go to work tomorrow. I I don't have to go to work for for as long as I want. And that was like the most liberating feeling I probably felt up until that point. Yeah. So that was immediate relief, like on on one level. So I immediately started to feel better. The next level, though, was was starting to unravel the reasons why I had gotten to that breakdown to begin with and the reason why I struggled with depression, the reason why I struggled with anxiety. So that was the, the work that you talk about. It was like really kind of like unraveling um, the reasons for everything. And the, the difficulty in that is that you're basically contending with your subconscious mind. So your subconscious mind is like a, like a, a, a robot, like running on a program, but it's running your life. And the, the, the crazy part is that like our conscious mind is not aware of what the programming is. Like we just suddenly think, oh my God, how did I get here? Why is my life um, operating in the way that it is? It's like we're not conscious, consciously aware of the underlying program. So going into the code, basically, and seeing why the program is written in that way was like the next five years of my life like from that point. Okay. 
and that you know has all sorts of shit. <laughs> so what was the the you know I can I, I can imagine how liberating it is if like and so many people are going to relate to this like you know like work just being every day dragging your ass to a job in an environment that does not serve you in any way at all uh, and is is basically killing you and what, like when you finally find that strength to go right now fuck you know this is my life one shot uh i gotta do something for me and then just kind of like hanging up i can imagine that like that is an unbelievably liberating feeling but also was it scary because that uncertainty now that you have to breach once more yeah it was definitely one of the most frightening things i'd ever done for sure um, going to a completely new country. Basically, I, I, for some reason, I had decided I wanted to be in Bali for six months. That was kind of like the goal that I had set. And I think it was to pull myself away from everything that was my, the old me, all the shit that I didn't want anything to do with anymore, and kind of just fully reset. And for some reason, I don't even know why I picked, I picked six months. Hmm. And when I, first, when I first got to Bali and I... I saw like how different it was. I was completely freaked out. I'm like, holy shit! Like this is a completely different world. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm here alone. Um, it was yeah, it was, it was completely frightening. So it was it was super scary. Um, the that first day I sat at the beach was super liberating. And when I finally actually like landed uh, in Bali, that was completely terrifying. Yeah, and then and and then you you started the therapy. Then kind of went through the process. Um, no, I'd already been uh, in therapy. Like, oh, right. um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, even prior to my trip. And every time I would come back um, to the States. Um, so basically, I, I kind of got in the routine of like traveling a bit and coming back to the States, traveling, coming back to the States. Um, I, would, I would put myself in, in therapy again for another you know, few months, s- sort some shit out, then go travel again, sort some shit out on my own, come back. So it was kind of that situation. Cool. And, and what, what were the biggest breakthroughs for you that kind of like, because you said, I think at the start when you like the kind of underlying shit that yep. had come up like from, from childhood. So what were the kind of biggest breakthroughs that, that you got from doing this work on your own or with the guidance of a therapist or, or wherever, wherever you found it that kind of like gave you that breakthrough and gave you back yourself a sense sense of identity or gave you a sense of identity however way you want to look at it so to speak so you kind of get to a place where you actually like you know i'm i'm for for six seven years i've been comfortable in my own skin and i can say now that i'm comfortable in my own skin yeah so what i what i kind of discovered was that like a lot of this internal tension that i was having the reason why I was trying to live up to a s- certain ideal, whatever, what resulted from like a pretty heavy trauma that went on for many years when I was a kid. So I was, I was, I was being physically abused basically when I was a kid oh. by, by more than just one person. And it was kind of something that I just kind of buried down, like yeah. deep down in sus- Um, But it gave me like this really, this, this sense of worthlessness yeah. uh, because you think that well, why would somebody treat you that way if you're worth anything? You know, like it, it really kind of destroys your yeah, your sense sure. of yeah, your your sense of self worth, um, and it also may, gives you a big sense of distrust, like for anyone, um, because if you think at such an early age, if people are treating you that way, then that means people are not to be trusted. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so basically what the, the belief that that created in me was that in order for me to win the approval of others, in order to win my own self-worth, I needed to, to somehow please other people. Um, and the way that I did that was to be successful at what I did. You know, I, okay. I did things. I did good in school. I performed well in, in, in sports. I, um, I achieved because you know that pleased the people around me. This oh, this kid's an achiever. This kid does well. The, my, the teachers give me praise, and so that was, and because like um, I, I, I was able to do that, I was able to excel in school and I was able to excel in sports. I did more and more of it, but um, where the discord started to happen was that like I wasn't living for myself. I was living 
to please those other people to, to avoid yeah yeah to compensate for my own sense of, of, of worthlessness so that was the the shit that i had to kind of discover yeah that's a big discovery though right and yeah yeah it was huge and it's still stuff, stuff I'm, I'm working through like yeah, you know to this day because yeah because that programming is so deep you know that that in the in the subconscious that's kind of trying to rewrite that program. yeah it's difficult well, good for you man and th thanks for sharing i know that that shit's not easy to talk about um so good on you for kind of coming out and it, it, it it's like i think anyone kind of listening is like will will get a lot of benefit from just kind of hearing this conversation i hope so anyway because you can kind of like the way you've explained it we can like loop it back to you know it's obvious where those feelings of self-worth came from and and how they can affect you like in and turn into anxiety and panic attacks later on in life because of the actions and, and you know what you're chasing becomes wrong you're not chasing for yourself any well and that also like i guess that's you know the underlying depression that has has been a a factor throughout this yeah yeah um Sorry, guys, if you're listening there, we had some uh, technical issues. So we were just kind of working through the the transition period and, and, and turning life around. And now you're you're working with others, Sean, is that correct? And you're kind of helping other people, assisting them in a bit of this work also. Yeah, basically, I I discovered for myself, um, you know, and also going through therapy and, and talking with with my therapist kind of the things that work for me and it boils down for me it boils down to a few things like community is really important like just having a community of friends like you know and, and i'm not saying that I'm, I'm over this shit like i had i almost had a panic attack yesterday you mm -hmm. know and that that's been it, it doesn't happen that frequently I, I almost had a panic attack yesterday and i almost had one like maybe six months ago so it, it's only like and really i just happen to be going through like a major <laughs> Like I'm an intense situation at the moment. Yeah. Um, so I'm definitely not over this shit. Like, it's just that I, I kind of see where it's stemming from and I have ways to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just between now and, and before. <laughs> so like, I already have like go-tos that I can do. Okay, this is happening. My life feels like it's out of control. This is what I'm, this is what I should do. This is what works for me. Um, and, and also like, I kind of understand the issues that are, leading up to it like that this is the reason why i feel this way and if i know the reason why i feel this way then at least i'm not like in some crazy confusion where life is shit i you know hopeless i'm not in this um fatalistic mode you know where before i would be in a fatalistic mode i'm like okay well this is just part of my process this is part of my growth i understand where it stems from and i understand what where the challenge that's in front of me i'm supposed to grow i'm supposed to um transcend this and become a better person so when i have a panic attack now it's like okay i'm dealing with this shit i'm gonna deal with it this is my tools toolkit for dealing with it and if i had to summarize like the things that i do it's that having a community like basically having friends that i can go to and be like i am really having a shit day today the minute i open up that conversation i immediately feel better by just telling them like i'm having really a shit day today like i'm having some major anxiety today i already feel better um uh doing uh, a sur surfing for me it's surfing like being outdoors and doing something physical like that helps me a lot mm. yin yoga helps me a shitload yin um, yoga yeah yin yoga it helps me so much yeah it, it's crazy good for you hey yeah because it's just, it's breathing it's releasing it's um engaging like your full body but basically that the managing of the breath because in panic attack it's like losing control of your breath when you have a panic attack, like what Yin does, it helps you manage your breath and become conscious of your breath so that it doesn't spiral into like this <laughs> like, mm. you know, hyperventilation kind of thing. And you really get to, you really get to activate the parasympathetic nervous system through Yin Yoga as well. I think is is kind of powerful. Like so, when you're out surfing, that's like a Yang activity, right? And, and I think like a lot of people 
overcompensate with yang activities. Um, you know, I'm seeing a movement coach at the moment because I'm just like, my back is kind of goosed. Uh, and it's just like uh, my mobility and my spine throughout the years of just like tension and stuff is, 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 is knackered and I get like really sore quite quickly. I just keep getting injured. It's obviously bothering me. And um, you, you, like when she was testing me and just doing this, you hear go like, like really when you actually put it up to a wall, you hear go, wow, I'm not really activating the parasympathetic nervous system all that much or nearly enough, just inducing that relaxation, which is why, you know, yin, when you go to a yin class, it's pretty, pretty profound. Yeah, I feel that it's a really great combination between meditation and, and movement. Um, and so, like, it's, it's meditation, but it's in, in, in a subtle way also engaging the body. And I don't know, there's something about that combination that works super well for me to release. Like when I get into, when I, I do meditation as well, like as just a part of my practice, like my um, regular practice. But for some reason, yin is even more powerful for me than just meditation alone. Yeah. Awesome. And, um, and did, did you create a program? Yeah, I did. Um, basically, I just created the program. It's, it's up on Skillshare at the moment. Um, and uh, if you just search anxiety on, on Skillshare, uh, you can find it. It's one of the first that pops up. And it's essentially, I just talked through these concepts that I just talked about a second ago and, and how it helps me personally um, in, in uh, dealing with my own anxiety. And it's all, like as you said earlier, I found ways to deal with things healthily. And, um, and that's exactly it. It's basically trying to approach these issues in a holistic, healthy manner as opposed to destructive habits that um, kind of just mask the issues. Massive habits. So it's just facing up and accepting. It sounds like acceptance has been pretty huge for you. Yeah. Acceptance, gratitude. Yep. Good for exactly. you, man. And what would you say, like, to, uh, I'll put all these links in the show notes as well. Um, what would you say to those listening are the three biggest kind of the three biggest tips that you would give to someone that's really kind of struggling with it, with it, with anxiety in their life today. I would have to say community is probably the, one of the biggest things. So basically surround yourself with really compassionate, good people who can have, who can have your back. It's, oh, I love that. I think that's really, really. You're the first person that's given that answer. I think. I yeah. Mean, I, I would have to say that's one of the biggest things. Yeah, awesome. Um, so many people, I, cause I'm on a lot of the forums on, on, uh, on Facebook and stuff, and so many people are like, I'm having an issue right now, and I don't have anybody to turn to. Um, and that's why they're on the forums. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, it's important to cultivate that community of people who are really just good people, compassionate, you know, good people that can be there for you. Yeah, good for you. And what, what do you think about those online forums? I think they're fine. Um, I think they're fine, but I think that building a community uh, in person is is even better. Um, I, you know, I'm saying you can have both. That's that's perfectly cool as well. Um, but I think also the thing about those forums is that like it's just a bunch of people throwing out ideas. So a bunch of people are talking about meds and uh, you know and and multiple ways of of dealing with things. And some of those ways may not be the healthiest ways to go about it. So. Um, it kind of just becomes like a complaining party, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it's essential to find a community of, of healthy, compassionate, good people versus people who are going to just spiral you down the wrong path. Yeah, I like. I really like the, how you put that there. And I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, and, and it's like, it's a real vicious cycle. So when you actually have that community in real life, it can have a profound impact. And I also believe that a lot of people really, really struggle with that, with, with, with the community and because they don't get, unfortunately, the support they need at home. Um, so community one. Yeah, community one, um, self-awareness. So 
whether it be through, I, I believe both therapy and, and meditation are, are huge, like really start to inquire as to why you are the way that you are. Um, and I, that's probably the hardest thing to do because nobody wants to face their own demons. But um, I think that's kind of like a long-term solution. Like in order for someone to really grow and to have like lasting change, you really need to start to face your own shit. Yeah. And like, yeah, and, and I think meditation and, um, and therapy are, are really great. Um, ways to, to start to understand oneself. Yeah. Um, and then the third thing would be would be gratitude. I think gratitude, like as a daily practice, is, is super important because it's very easy for us to get stuck in a in a negative spiral and complete. And and one way to quickly reset that is to just say thanks for what you already have. Yeah, the whole gratitude thing is unbelievable. Really, when you put in the effort and put it in, 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 in the, the work and kind of commit to doing it on a daily basis, it's, it's, it's funny. You're like, you, you know, even you notice the difference. You, like you're, you're, you'll be just looking at some grass and one day you go, hey, I appreciate that grass. And you hear go like, where the fuck did that come from? It's, it's, uh, it makes such a massive massive impact in your life and and uh yeah i can't recommend that one enough either and i guess that's kind of like there's a lot of I, i'm not a holy person but a lot of people pray get get an awful lot out of that so i think that's uh i guess it's a kind of form of prayer um cool man um i thank you so much i've, I've absolutely loved talking to you and i i, I could have talked for another hour uh I apologize, my computer's been bloody telling me my disk spaces keep full, filling up. So I'm at the same time, I'm trying to delete so I don't lose this recording. So I might be a little bit freaking out and not as fully present as I would like to have been for the last few minutes. So I apologize for that. Um, but thank you so much. I, I think uh, people will get so much from just kind of listening and relating to your story. Uh, where can they go to connect with you? Uh, surf Play Love um, on all the social media. So Surf Play Love on Instagram, surfplaylove.com, the website, um, Surf Play Love on YouTube. So. Oh, nice one. Good stuff. <laughs> and we will, I'll put it all in the show notes so you can grab it there. Okay. Yeah, I really appreciate it. It helped me so much as well just to talk about it. So definitely made me feel much better. Too. Cool, man. Well, I, I'm sure everybody really appreciates you opening up and sharing so honestly. That was That's awesome. Good. Thanks.